In the second reading, which is also the sermon text for today, Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, gives instructions for Christian living. The second reading is from Colossians, the third chapter. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive." And above all, these put on in love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. These last several weeks, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the next slide. And uh, by this time, you probably know this by heart, don't you? You've heard it so often, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, you don't, don't read it now, but... Love, joy. Don't read it. Somebody's reading it. I'm going to start over here now. All right. No, I'm, I'm in front of that screen too. All right. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the, what the Holy Spirit is to, is, wants to bring out of us. But because, because many of us have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. I've suggested other things that bring about these characteristics. One is the effect of being a Christian. I'm a Christian. Because I'm a Christian, this is what my life looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Uh, It's the result of of, of calling Jesus Christ my Savior. You claim Christ as your Savior, that's, that's what happens. And the power of that is the claim of Jesus as your Savior. The second thing I want to say about this, about the fruit of the Spirit, is that it's about the church. It's not just about us personally. This is about the church and how people in the church are and how people in the church treat each other. A church is to be full of folks just like this. And third thing is that, that this isn't natural. We really don't come by these things natural, naturally. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the effect of being a Christian. That's why we need the result of of calling Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, last week, 
we talked about patience. And I'm pleased to report that this past week I played behind a group of people in golf who were really slow. And I didn't get mad. I kept my patience and I felt better. I played better. And today it's faith, it's kindness. Now the, the, the sermon topic for today is focusing on the other guy. Now in an age when we are sensitive to the gender of nouns, the word guy does not refer to men. Right? Some people don't want to refer to God as he, even though Jesus called God Father. The word guy has got to, is, is genderless. It refers to men and women. So when you say, hey, you guys, you mean everybody. We focus on the other guy, on the other person. And when we focus on the other person, we, become, we want to be sensitive to what's going on in other people's lives. What's affecting them? How do they feel? What are their circumstances? And out of that, that sensitivity, then we can show acts of kindness. That's how acts of kindness usually arise. Although some people do random acts of kindness. Just, just do it. Uh, one of the, the things that I've seen is to, when you go to a toll booth on a toll road, to pay it forward. Pay for the guy behind you. Has that ever happened to anybody? He's somebody ahead of you, pays you a toll, and you drive up, and you say, how much? And they say, well, the guy who's driving away just paid for you. He doesn't know who you are. You may be rich, you may be poor, but that's a random act of kindness. That's wonderful. Or um, you get up early in the morning, there's nobody around, and you see that your neighbor has put the garbage out. And the raccoons have gotten into it, and it's all over the street. And you go and gather it all up and put it in the garbage can and put it back and, and leave it be. And you don't tell anybody. If you go to your neighbor and after a while and say, you know what, I went and picked up your garbage, it's no longer an act of kindness. Then it becomes an act of self-promotion. You also have to be prepared to be kind. Uh, up in Bella Vista, when we come out of the, the Walmart parking lot, uh, the, the exit comes into a, a basically a dead-end road, and right there, there are often people with, with signs looking for help, looking for money. And what happens to us a lot is that the people behind us, and we're in a hurry, and we just drive right by them and don't do anything. So we have decided that we're going to go get some money and put it in the glove compartment. And when we see people, we're going to get some money, and it's very easy now for us to drive by and, and, and give them something. That is to say, you have to be prepared to be kind. And someone was telling me in the lunch uh, at the coffee hour that they saw this. A guy was looking for money, and, and a lady reached up and gave a guy a banana. Oh, and the guy took it. Our daughter-in-law, Erica, told us about her church where they suggested that people have small sacks of food in the car. Not money, but food. Non-perishable stuff. When people want help, you're prepared. 
you give them that stuff. To be prepared to be kind because we're Christians. But I find it helpful to, to, to think about kindness in terms of, of stories and Bible, Bible verses. And so I want to read this one first. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love is an act of kindness. You tell the truth, but you tell it in a kindly way. So you imagine a fellow, a friend of yours has got a, a necktie. Now, ladies, this can do with a hairstyle. It can do with a new dress, whatever. We'll use men because I don't want to pick on the women. So this guy's got this necktie, and it's really ugly. Right? It's the ugliest necktie you ever saw. And um, you wonder how anybody could design a necktie like that. And then you wonder why anybody would buy it. And here comes this guy up to you with his necktie and says, what do you think of my tie? Well, you can say, that's the ugliest tie I ever saw. You could say that. Was that kind? No, it wasn't kind, so what do we do? Well, we try to, Val asked me, can you tell a little white lie? Well, you want to be kind. So you say something like that, well, isn't that interesting? <laughs> right? Or as somebody in, in not too kind a way suggested in the coffee hour, you could say, that's the ugliest tie I ever saw, but it looks good on you. You see, it's, it's kindness to speak the truth in love. We need to do that, and we do that. In, the, uh, in his small catechism, Martin Luther, in the explanation of the, the Eighth Commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, Luther wrote this, we are to fear and love God so that we do not despise, anger, or talk about a neighbor, but defend him, Speak well of him and explain his actions in the kindest way. Defend him, speak well of him, and explain his actions in the kindest way. Now, the old translation was, put the most charitable construction on all that he undertakes. When you see somebody doing something you don't understand, a lot of times we we think the worst. We make up bad stories about them. We think there's something nefarious, something bad going on. We, we can't do that, but it happens a lot. When we lived in Rogers, we had a very nice backyard, and uh, I used to like to watch the birds with my binoculars. So what do you see? You see a guy looking through binoculars. Well, the neighbor, yes, the neighbor accused me of being a peeping Tom. She didn't cast the most charitable construction on what I was doing. She was telling people that I'm a peeping Tom. But we don't do that. We put the most charitable construction on whatever people do. We speak of them in the kindest way. That's, that's kindness. To say positive things about people. And sometimes kindness comes to us as a surprise. Once somebody paid for a meal for us. Didn't expect it. What a surprise. 
That's one of the great things about kindness, that it's a surprise. Now think about the, the parable of, of the Good Samaritan. The guy who was beat up and left, left to die on the side of the road. Wasn't he surprised when he saw who, gave, who did kindness to him? Well, the first guy who comes by is a priest. And uh, he's a religious guy, and he's coming down from Jerusalem. He has just served at the temple. He's been in the house of God, worshiping God. And he sees one of his own there, a Jewish guy, and he passes by on the other side. And then the Levite, he's also a religious worker. He also has been serving in the temple. He comes down, and he sees the guy, and he passes by on the other side. Now, the guy laying there, if he's seen what's going on, figures if, if these two religious guys aren't going to help me, surely nobody's going to help me. And then who comes along but a Samaritan? Now, the Jews and the Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. They have been enemies for centuries. And now comes a Samaritan. And he focuses on the other guy. And even though they're enemies, his tenderness of heart overcomes his prejudice. Think about this. His tenderness of heart, his caring for that guy, overcomes his prejudice. He treats his wounds. He takes him to a hotel. He plays a hotel bill. He does an act of kindness. And the wonderful thing about that story is Jesus says, my own fellow countrymen don't do kindness, but this guy that we look down upon, he does kindness. Now let's be clear. Anybody can do an act of kindness. Because we're all created in the image of God. All people. And although that image is is broken and, and skewed, We are all able to do acts of kindness. That's part of being a human being, is to do an act of kindness. When we were in Norway, I met a lady who was from Iraq. And she told me once she met Saddam Hussein. And she asked him for a favor for a Christian school that she was running. And he did it. He did a wonderful act of kindness. And I didn't want to hear that. Because I didn't think a guy like that could ever be kind. He did terrible things, no doubt about that. But he did an act of kindness because he also was created in the image of God. And in that case, the image came out. Members of the mafia who do terrible things can also do acts of kindness. To their own, they can be very kind and very generous. How many of you ever read the screw tape letters? Anybody read this? Let's see the hands. Don't be afraid. Let's see. Oh, good. All right. The screw tape letters uh, by C.S. Lewis is a story about, about a, um, a devil. His name is Screw Tape. And he's got a, a nephew named Wormwood. And Wormwood is new to the devil business. And Wormwood has somebody that he's trying to lead into hell. And Screwtape is being kind enough to help him do his devilish job. You see, even devils can be kind. 
We're created in the image of God, and that kindness comes out. Now think about this. Do you have to be kind to be a Democrat? Do you have to be kind to be a Republican? When you join the party, do they make you say a form, sign a form that says, if you're going to become a member of this party, you have to be kind? The fact of the matter is that kindness is irrelevant to Democrats. It's irrelevant to Republicans. It would be nice if they were kind. You would hope that they were kind, but you wouldn't kick them out of the party if they were unkind. Do you have to be kind to be a Razorback fan? Well, I don't think so. If a Razorback does something unkind, do you say, well, all those Razorback fans, they're no good? No, it's got nothing to do with being a Razorback fan. Do you have to be kind to be a Christian? Of course. Because Christians are kind people. Look at there. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. And when Christians are unkind, it disgraces all of us. And when Christians are unkind, it disgraces Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, we are, we are kind. And we're kind because we have the Holy Spirit. We are kind because the, the Holy Spirit is working in us to make that happen. We're kind because we are Christians. And that's the effect of being a Christian. We're kind because it's the result of claiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Christians are kind people. And we have an example from Titus, the third chapter. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. When the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, he saved us. The sending of Jesus Christ was an act of kindness. God's kindness succeeded over God's justice. Luther once said, you know, if I was God, I would look at that, I would wipe all those people out and start over. Because they're hopeless. Aren't you glad Luther wasn't God? See, God had another way. He showed his kindness to us by sending his son. And long before we show kindness to anybody, we have received kindness and we have received mercy in Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally to the text. Can we have the text, please? As I said at the beginning, that, that these teachings are about the church. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is about the church. It's about how people in the church get along. Love is patient and kind. It is not jealous or boastful or envious or rude. And here's another church teaching. Now, written to the Colossians. This is a letter. Uh, the, people, the members of the church in Colossae were new Christians. One, two, three, maybe four years they've been Christians. They're not like you and me who've been raised in a Christian background. They have no Christian background. 
had a lot to learn about what it meant to be a Christian. And so the first part of this reading is what's going on in the church. Let's remember, this is a letter to people in a church. And you imagine what kind of people are in the church. Now let's see what it says. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, even desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, in these you two once walked when you were living in them. That's where the people came from. And they were still doing that stuff. That's why Paul tells them to cut it out. Next slide. But now you must put them all away. <coughs> Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, look at this. Paul does not say, don't do this because it's against the Ten Commandments. Instead, he describes the Christian life this way. You have put off the old and you have put on the new. It's like changing clothes. You put off the old, now you put on the new. Next slide. Here, that is in the church, he says, there is not Greek and Jew. There is not circumcised and uncircumcised. There is not barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. There's none of that. Not in the church. None of that stuff matters in the church. But Christ is all and in all. And then the positive part. Put on. Put on. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now I said last week, and I repeat today, I'm not talking about this because there are problems in our church. Not at all, far from that. But I'm lifting up these ways in which Christian people get together so that we can be stronger. We can be united with one another. We can have one mind when it comes to who we are as a church and one mind when it comes to the mission that we carry out. And part of that is we're kind. Christians, members of Emmanuel Lutheran Church are kind. They have the Holy Spirit, and it brings out kindness in them. Members of Emmanuel Lutheran Church are Christians. And this is what happens when you're a Christian. Members of Emmanuel Lutheran Church are kind because that's the result of their claiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're kind. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, expects us to be kind. The world 
expects us to be kind. And we must not let them down. Amen.